Hello, and welcome to this live recording from Mount Pleasant Baptist Church. So sit back, listen in, and enjoy what God's got to say to you. Sarah's going to share with us now a little bit of her testimony. And so would you please welcome Sarah as she comes up. Thank you, Sarah. Good evening, everyone. For those who know me, who do not know me, my name is Sarah. Like Sue said, my family and I moved here from Brazil exactly three years ago tomorrow in the pursuit of knowing God. Raising Isabella in a Christian environment, Christian schools here at this beautiful church we love. And why I was attending Evos as well. I just finished a few weeks ago. <laughs> Woohoo! <laughs> Well, for those who were here this morning, I spoke about trust, and I share a little bit of my own experience in coming to trust in God. In fact, I'm still on the journey of constantly asking God to help me to trust Him completely and not on myself. Um, I was born in a Catholic family in Brazil, like most of Brazilians are. I was baptized as an infant. I had First Communion. But like a lot of Brazilians, church was not a regular thing. It's usually when there's a wedding or a baptism. And life went on. <laughs> I knew of God. I learned that Jesus Christ was his son. But my belief was only in the intellectual sense of knowing of Jesus. But that knowledge had no action attached to it. It was a belief without any true commitment of my part to Jesus. And it was open to many other beliefs. I trusted on my own strength and on the things of this world and not on God. And in a society that we currently live in, it is indeed a hard task for us to trust God and not ourselves. To let it go of everything and trust him. In my personal experience, it took many trials, many wrong decisions in my life for me to want to surrender to God. Although somehow, deep down, I knew God was there and he was telling me, okay, this is not the right way. But it's still, I kind of ignore, you know, it's not with me. And, and after, I, I think I got to the point that only after I realized that I needed to surrender myself to him that I knew him, that I could trust him and not myself. And that happened, I can't pinpoint exactly a time of my life, but I know it was sometime a few years perhaps or a year before we moved here to Australia that God started to reveal himself more and more to me in a new and deeper way just after I decided to trust him. It was just a beautiful thing. And as I mentioned this morning, moving here, it was not an easy choice. It was not a logical decision in this world's eyes and not in my family's eyes either. Uh, they, they don't even know I'm here now today <laughs> doing this, but I will share with them. <laughs> um, so it wasn't a logical decision. It was not an easy choice at all. In fact, it went contrary to all my previous expectations of life, career, financial stability. But God in his love, patience, a lot of patience and mercy, he guided us and pointed us towards him. 
Yes, it took sacrifice, it took courage, it took obedience. And I mentioned that this morning. But more than anything else, he made us trust in him. Beyond our own understanding, beyond ourselves. And it's still a daily effort, huh? Very hard. Every day we have to ask, God, please help me. Help me to trust in you. Strengthen my faith in you. To surrender all to you. So I, keep, I can keep living under your grace and your love. Well, oh yeah. and still, we don't know what, God's, what future, our future is in God's mission. But we know that we can trust him and he's there for us in each step we take. I mentioned this morning very emotionally. Huh? He brought me to tears that until this day, he amazes me how God, when God answers our prayers, his blessings, his miracles over our life. In each step we take, we take even though we don't know where God is leading us. But just because we trusted him and we surrender him, we can see after Beautiful blessings and miracles in our life. So I leave tonight thanking God that he sent his son, Jesus Christ, and that by his life, death, and resurrection, we can have eternal life. And because of him and his love and his mercy from all of us, I'm here tonight trusting in him that everything is in his hands. So I'm okay. And I truly tell you, there is no other place I'd rather be. And I hope and pray that everyone here and around the world get to really know God. Get to experience for themselves his love and mercy. Trust him, for he's the creator and Lord of all. May God's grace be with you all. Thank you. God bless. You may have heard the story of a man who was determined to complete a solo trek to the top of a treacherous mountain. After many months of preparation, he got up at dawn one day and set out for his long climb up. As daylight faded, he decided to press on, hoping to be the fastest to ever reach the peak. But as he continued to climb into the night, thick clouds began to cover the moonlight until there was zero visibility and he was overcome by total darkness. He was only a few meters away from the summit when he slipped and fell off the cliff face, falling at a frightening speed. As he began to plunge towards the ground, he saw his life flash before his eyes. Suddenly, he felt a tightening of the safety rope around his waist until there was a jolt and he was left floating in the air, helpless and alone. In his desperation, he cried out, God, please help me. Unexpectedly, a deep voice from heaven responded, what would you have me do? The man replied, save me. Do you really think I can save you, the voice said? Of course, Lord. Okay, then cut the rope. There was a moment of silence as the man thought about all the consequences of what cutting that rope might mean. And instead, he clung tighter to the rope. A couple of days later, a rescue team came across this man, frozen to death, his hands wrapped firmly around the rope and his body hanging just two feet off the ground. This morning, I wonder, is there anything that you're holding on to? Something that may be holding you back that keeps you from letting go 
and trusting God and His direction for your life. As you ponder that question, let's turn to our reading from Scripture today, and to help us with that, we have Isabella reading in English and Augusto in Portuguese. So go ahead, guys. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to Him and He will make your path straight. Confie no Senhor de todo o seu coração e não se apoie em seu próprio entendimento. Reconheça o Senhor em todos os seus caminhos e Ele endireitará as suas veredas. Amém. Amém. Thank you. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. That word trust in the Hebrew, batak, means to take confidence in, to rely upon, to find security or be safe with the object of your trust. And these verses, along with the rest of Proverbs, are written to warn us that there's a wise way to live and a foolish way to live. The wise person will gain their confidence for life in God, while the foolish person will rely on their own strength, their own desires, wealth, the things the world has to offer. And a bit as Sarah mentioned, we all have to come to a fork in a road where we decide, where am I going to find my security in life? What can I put my confidence in that will get me through? And wisdom urges us to recognize that only Jehovah, the one true God, the creator of heavens and earth, only he is worthy of our trust. But as someone once said, trust is a fragile thing. It's difficult to form, easy to lose, and even harder to get back. And it's only in our human relationships as we begin to get to know people and learn of their character or their credentials, in the case of doctors and uh, lawyers and dentists and those we rely on for their counsel, it's only as we get to know them or the reasons why we ought to see them that we respond with trust. So we find this consistent pattern in the Old Testament where God, over and over again, first through creation and then often through visitations and words, visits different people at different times and at different places, saying and doing things to reassure His people that He is completely trustworthy. And when He does, we see men and women like Abraham and Moses and David and Samuel and Deborah and Esther and all the other people who trusted God respond with radical acts in obedience to Him. And then in the New Testament, God does something even more extraordinary. He plainly and forever reveals Himself to all humanity through His Son, Jesus Christ. Jesus said that He only did what the Father was doing, And he spoke the words that his father gave him to speak. And so, as we survey Jesus' life and ministry, we see God's kindness demonstrated as a healer of sickness and disease with gentle words to those he meets. We see his power as Jesus exercises total control over the creation and spiritual forces. We see his compassion as he reaches out to the lost, the broken, and the hurting. We see his justice and his concern for the well-being of humanity as he defends the downtrodden and challenges head-on the wrongs in his culture. 
And we see his wisdom as he proclaims truths that our society today is still built upon, although that may be fading, but those words and wisdom still hold the power to set us today free. Then in his death upon the cross, we encounter God in his extravagant, reckless love, willing to pay every price, wipe away every mistake we make, remove our sin and make us whole. Through Jesus' resurrection and subsequent outpouring of the Holy Spirit, God is revealed forever as one who has removed every barrier that stands between him and us, even death. And this God can now dwell in us and promises to never leave us nor forsake us. Not only that, he imparts his life as we trust in him into us and we get all sorts of things, joy, peace, faith, hope, strength. And it's as we begin to discover and let go of our lives to this God as we taste and see his salvation, his love, his mercy, that our hearts begin to open wholeheartedly and respond to him in trust. Now the challenge comes and we know this, that while we might start in that place, life deals us different hands. We face challenges as we go through times of pain and suffering as our mind and our old nature struggles to resist against our trust in God and we fear and we doubt, there's challenges in our understanding to God and his goodness and his promises to us. And so in those times, Proverbs encourages us not to lean on our own understanding. And what happens, I think, uh, it happened to me the other day as I was preparing for this message and I was at home and my kids were there and uh, I called my 10-year-old daughter Ella over and I asked her to stand about a metre away from me and I said, uh, darling, I want you to trust me and fall back into my arms. And she agreed to do that and took up her position and as she started to fall back, she stumbled and caught herself. And I confess that at first I was a little bit hurt and put out that my experiment had failed and my daughter apparently didn't trust me. But then God spoke deep into my heart and said, you know, that's exactly what many people do with me. They know who I am, they know what I ask of them, and they begin to trust and they fall backwards. But as they begin to feel out of control, as they fear, as the old man takes over, they catch themselves and cease trusting. And the brief moment of pain and hurt I felt in my heart is magnified tenfold, a hundredfold in the heart of God as he sees his people get so close to trusting in him, to letting go completely, but then bailing out at the last minute. If only we would completely let go, we would experience the sheer exhilaration of being caught by the master of heaven and earth and our trust would deepen and grow and our love with it. When our understanding begins to contradict God's proven nature and what he has promised us, Proverbs guides us again saying, submit to God in all your ways 
And that Hebrew word for submit in verse 6 is really better translated as acknowledge or know. In other words, it could read, in all your ways, know him and he will make your path straight. So it's a call to cultivate each one of us a lifestyle of trust by seeking God moment by moment, seeking to know him and understand him and ask for his way to become our own. And to do that in every season, as Sarah said, every day, as we get out of bed and look for something to place our confidence in for the day, and especially in moments of our greatest doubts and fears. And there's a few ways we can do this. It's not by any means an exhaustive list, but there are ways that Scripture speaks to us and that I've experienced personally in my own life, as Sue said, in the last four years especially. Just a little background in uh, about four years ago, uh, the Lord visited me in a, in a um, in quiet time, as um, normal as that should be, but it was quite a powerful moment where he showed me a vision of his love for me, and Jesus came after the vision and said, come and follow me. And although I was initially hurt because I thought I'd been doing that already, it was an enormous privilege that as the next 12 months unfolded, turned my life completely on its head. And it was a time of repentance about all the wrong views I'd had of God. It was a time of uh, attack, spiritual attack, and my mind, where I had to learn to trust in God and not the thoughts I had day to day of inadequacy and unworthiness. And it's really born out of that time and in the last three years of, as I've studied that these things have proven themselves true for me time and time again and I believe they will for you. So the first really comes from Hebrews 12, 1 to 3, where it says, fix your eyes upon Jesus, the author and perfecter of your faith. It's a, it comes at a time when in Hebrews where the writer is, is sending a letter to people who are suffering, are being persecuted, and are facing a challenge to their own understanding. Can we go on in God? Should we walk away and take the easy road? And the writer of Hebrews comes back and says, no, fix your eyes on Jesus. Real tests to our trust in God come when the size of our problems or our mission that we know he's given us become bigger than ourselves and suddenly he becomes blurred in our presence. The Apostle Peter experiences this when he gets out of the boat in the story where he walks on water. You may know that uh, he's with the apostles, uh, sorry, Peter is with the apostle, other apostles in a boat on a lake, and, and Jesus they see from afar walking on the water towards them, and Jesus calls out for them to come over and, and be near to him, and Peter does. He steps out on the water, and for a time, he's, as he fixes his eyes on Jesus, he walks towards him, defying the very physics of nature. But then it's as the winds and the waves whip around him and he suddenly drops his gaze to what's going on around him and loses sight of Jesus that he begins to sink and falter. Tonight, if you feel yourself beginning to sink under the weight of the world around you, fix your eyes on Jesus. You can do that. Find yourself a quiet space, pray, meditate on his word, confess your sin confess your difficulty in trust, offer God thanks and praise for his grace which he's shown you already 
and your goodness in spite of the circumstances and keep doing these things, keep praying, keep meditating on his word until the peace of God breaks through and you're restored to trust. The other thing that we can do is remind ourselves of past victories in God, past times when he's been good to us where we didn't know what would come next, times where he's spoken to us, times when he's been faithful or patient or forgiving. You know, David did this before he fought Goliath. He went to Saul and Saul tried to deck him out in armour and give him earthly confidence as David set out to defeat Goliath. But David said, no, I don't need any of that. My confidence is in God because in the past, when I faced the lions and the bears, God has delivered me. God has saved me against these threats and God will do it again. And so as we build a life, a journey with God, we too must remember the things that God has done for us, come back to them time and time again. So when the nasty thoughts come, where is God in the midst of this? We know, actually, he's there. He's been there before, he is there now, and he will be forever. These are the truths we need to stake our lives upon. Another thing we can do is bring our questions, our confusions and trials to God himself. First Peter 5, 7 says, cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. And the Bible is filled, you know, lamentations, psalms, proverbs, the prophet's writings, all of these really have different aspects where it's people crying out to God, how can this be, Lord? Look at what's going on around me. Where are you in all this? Where is your goodness? I don't feel you. I don't see you. What do I do now? And God doesn't smote them where they stand. He takes it. He's big enough. He understands. Jesus himself is described as a man of suffering, familiar with pain, and as our Lord, he's big enough to handle everything we have to throw at him. The caveat on this is that at some point, we must be willing to let go and let God, because not everything has an answer. There's mystery to this life. Not everything has a solution this side of eternity. So we go to God with our questions, we lay our confusions before him, but we must be prepared to let go and let God. Another thing we can do that's also been genuinely a lifesaver for me in the past is share with other mature believers. We're called to bear each other's burdens and you have to be a little bit careful about who you do this with, but you need to find other godly brothers and sisters around you that when you can't hear from God because of the strife that you're in or the torment that you feel, you need to position yourself around others who can speak the word of God to you. Sometimes we can't hear it ourselves, so we need others to give it to us. And we can only do that as we learn to be vulnerable and rely on other godly people around us and the Holy Spirit in them. Final thing tonight is obedience. We need to obey God to be able to remain secure in our trust. C.S. Lewis says it this way, to have trust in Christ means, of course, trying to do all that he says. There would be no sense in saying you trusted a person if you would not take his advice. Not doing these things in order to be saved, but because he has begun to save you already. Not hoping to get to heaven as a reward for your actions, but inevitably wanting to act in a certain way because a first faint gleam of heaven is already inside you.
amazing words, and the point is clear. We don't really trust, or we can't really trust unless we're willing to obey. But as we cultivate this lifestyle of submitting our whole lives to God's care, Proverbs says He will make our path straight. Now, we've seen from the story of Jim Elliot that making our path straight doesn't necessarily mean we're guaranteed a comfortable, easy, or pain-free life. And Jesus himself warns us in Matthew 16, 24, that whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will find it. God promises in his word that as we hand over to him our earthly lives, he will exchange it for his eternal life. And he never, ever will leave us or forsake us. And he guides us home safely until we see him face to face. We hope you enjoyed this message from Mount Pleasant Baptist Church. If you'd like to talk to someone about what you've heard today, then you can contact the team at Mount Pleasant Baptist Church by calling the office during office hours on 9329 Thanks for joining us. We look forward to your company again soon. God bless.